0: Now I'm sure that a lot of us have heard the saying, less is more, at some point or another. Less is more. It's actually a saying that's been around for over 100 years. It was popularized in the 20th century by a German architect for his minimalist designs. So less is more. Nowadays, people use it for lots of things. Less spending equals more money. Less clutter is more space, less stress is more peace, and on and on it goes. Casey is always reminding me that less salt and soda in my diet will equal more years that I'm alive with my family. Maybe you have something similar, a less is more in your life. But in a similar way, this principle can be applied to an area of our spiritual lives, and that area is humility. Unfortunately, a lot of us live with this idea that humility is being down on ourselves, that it's belittling ourselves. But humility isn't thinking less of ourselves. No, part of humility is simply thinking less about ourselves. Because when we're thinking less about ourselves, we're able to think more about others. More importantly, as Christians, when we think less about ourselves, we can be thinking more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is why humility is such a key part of our faith, because when we're living humbly, we're better able to focus on our Savior. That leads to a desire to obey Him, to live for Him, and to love Him. In fact, it'll spill over into our interactions with others, because as we learn to love and focus on our Creator, we're going to naturally learn to love His creation. So humility is something we should desperately strive for in our lives. And another area that we will find that humility is key in is sharing the gospel with others. If you were here with us last week, you know that we just began a new emphasis for the year that we would commit to reaching someone in 2021 with the gospel. We also began last week a new sermon series going through the gospel of John. That's where we're going to be this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now, we saw last week John's great introduction of Jesus, God's Son. And as we return to chapter 1, we're going to take a closer look at another individual that we were briefly introduced to last week. This individual is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, as we will see, he was a humble man. And as a result, he was a man who was a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Let's see that together. We're going to start in verse 19 of John chapter 1. It says this. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. All right, we're going to pause here. Keep your place. We're going to come right back in a few minutes. As we enter John the Baptist's story, we find that the Jewish leaders, they sent this delegation to investigate him and his ministry. And there's a reason for this. You see, John the Baptist wasn't some nobody out there preaching to empty pews. Now people were flocking to see him and hear his message. John was a wilderness preacher. He wore clothes made of camel's hair. He wore a leather belt. He ate locusts and honey, and he preached a message that people needed to repent of their sin and be baptized in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. Now this got the attention of a lot of people because it had been over four hundred years since the Israelites had received a prophecy or a word from God. And then comes John the Baptist, calling on people to turn back to the Lord, just like the prophets of old once did. John told the people to stop living in sin and get right with God. See, the point is that John the Baptist was someone that, when you heard him, you couldn't help but listen. Because he spoke with conviction. He spoke truth, and people wanted to hear it. Eventually, even the religious leaders couldn't ignore John anymore, because the people were enamored with him. Many people were coming to be baptized and to repent of their sins, and so the religious leaders decided they needed to check this guy out. And we find that John he, he knew the question it was on everybody's mind. He knew what the leaders were wondering. He knew what the people were wondering. He was concerned with the Messiah, because that's who everybody was eagerly waiting for all these years. And so John is quick to make it clear that he's not the Messiah. So they follow up by asking if he's Elijah. And that's because of the prophecies of Malachi hundreds of years earlier that Elijah would precede the coming Messiah. Now, John's ministry was of the spirit and power of Elijah, but he wasn't Elijah, he was John. So he said no. And then they ask if he's the prophet that Moses spoke about in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Again, John says that's not him. So finally, they just throw their hands up and they say, just tell us who you are. Give us something to bring back to the people who sent us. That's when John quotes the words of Isaiah chapter 40. He is a voice crying out in the wilderness. Now I want us to really, really grasp what we just read, what just happened though in this short scene. John the Baptist is drawing large crowds of people. In fact, so much so that he has the attention of the religious leaders who are dying to figure out who he is. In fact, they're curious if he's the Messiah. And if not, if he's Elijah sent back to earth. If not Elijah, then maybe he's that prophet foretold by Moses. And I want us to think about that for a minute. How great must John the Baptist have been that these are the things people wondered about him. This is how John was being viewed by many of the people. (laughs) Let's be honest. That's the type of stuff that can go to your head. And John was honest. He said that, no, he said, I'm none of those things. I started thinking about John's story and how John could easily have boasted about being the first prophet that Israel had received in hundreds of years. He could have bragged about his story, about his miraculous birth, how his parents were too old to conceive and God intervened miraculously and powerfully, but John didn't say any of that. In fact, when they asked him to define who he was, he just told them about the mission that God laid on his life, that according to the prophecy of Isaiah, he was that voice calling out, trying to get them ready for the Messiah. And this interaction wasn't over. Let's look at verse 24. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He's the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So John gets back to his main message, which is that someone else is coming. They thought John was great? No, no, no. No, someone truly great was about to come on the scene here. In fact, John said that he wasn't even worthy to untie the sandal straps of this individual. And maybe that sounds silly to us because how many of us ever go untying someone else's shoestrings? But untying sandal straps for someone was something that happened in John's day. But you see, it was something that slaves did. In fact, it was the menial task delegated to the lowest of slaves. So here's John the Baptist. This captivating, crowd-drawing, conviction-sharing free man Saying that not only is he just a voice, but that he is unworthy to do the lowest of tasks for this one who is coming. Church, that's humility. I want us to understand something. John isn't beating himself up when he said this. He's not saying, well, I'm the worst, and then putting his shoulders down, secretly hoping someone will come and console him and lift him up. That's false humility. That's not what John was doing. Part of being humble is having a proper view of oneself. And John was simply recognizing who he is in light of Jesus Christ. Compared to the Savior, he's a lowly servant. John preferred it that way. In fact, it reminds me of what the Apostle Paul would write years later. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he told them that he considered himself the least of all the apostles. And when he wrote to the Ephesians, he said he considered himself the least of all the saints. He told Timothy he considered himself the worst of all sinners. When the Apostle Paul said that, he wasn't projecting false humility. He was just honestly and gratefully recognizing how unworthy he was, of the grace of God. There's a story about St. Francis, the early church, and St. Francis, somebody came up to him and asked him how he was able to accomplish so much in his life and in his ministry. He said this, he said, this might be why the Lord looked down from heaven upon the face of the earth and he said, I wonder where I can find the weakest, littlest, meanest man on the face of the earth. And then he saw me and he said, now that I've found him, I'm going to work through him and he won't boast about it because he'll realize I'm only using him because of his littleness and significance. And when people came and tried to claim that John the Baptist was the Messiah or Elijah or someone great, John just said, you think I'm great? He said, no, compared to the one who's coming, I'm the least of the least. John had a proper view of himself. But not only that, John was too focused on the Savior to even be thinking about himself. And he didn't want the people thinking about him either. He wanted them to think about the words that he was saying so that they could focus on someone greater. In fact, later on, when John the Baptist was talking to his followers about Jesus, John said, he must become greater, I must become less. You see, John the Baptist realized that the people needed less of him and more of Jesus. That's what everybody needs, believers. Less of us, more of Christ. But if we heard someone great tell us, no, I'm just a voice. In fact, I'm I'm nothing compared to who's coming after me. Wouldn't you wonder who must be coming next? Wouldn't that weigh on your mind? Be curious? Well, the people weren't going to have to wait long. Let's look at verse 29. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. If the first thing that we see about John is that he was humble, the next thing that we see is that he was bold. Let me explain how bold John the Baptist was. I mentioned earlier that John preached a message of repentance, baptism. And the other gospel accounts give us a glimpse into some of his preaching. They tell us that John called the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, he called the crowds a brood of vipers who needed to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He told Roman soldiers and tax collectors to do what was right. He told the crowds that they needed to act with kindness towards one another. He even called out the Roman ruler Herod for his sin. Now that last one got John locked up in prison later. But the point is that this was a bold man. And that boldness spilled over into his testimony and witness for Jesus Christ. Because here we find that on the very next day, John was right back to doing what he had been doing, preparing the hearts of the people. And then that long-awaited day came for John, for Israel, for the whole world, because the Messiah's ministry was about to kick off. And the first thing that John did in that moment was boldly point to Jesus. Let me explain why I think his statement was so bold. First, He called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in John's day, lambs were sacrificed to the temple as part of an individual's repentance before God. But That was all going to change soon. Because Jesus had come. And Jesus is the Lamb. The one who's the sacrifice, not just for one individual's sin, but who would pay for the sin of the whole world. This is a bold statement because John was making Jesus' mission clear. You see, the Israelites were waiting for a Messiah who would come and conquer Rome. But John's telling them that Jesus came to conquer sin. The Israelites were looking for a political prince. John tells them he's our Savior from sin. And as we continue to see Jesus' story, we'll see that most people continue to misunderstand that time and time again. But here's John the Baptist, well aware of what all the people were hoping for, nonetheless unashamed to say what Jesus did come for. And he points to Jesus and shouts as loud as he ever has that this, this is the one. This is the one who's greater, greater than himself, greater than anyone they've ever met. Not only that, but I think we should consider the fact that when John made this statement, John made this statement and pointed to Jesus before Jesus started performing miracles in public, before the crowds were drawn to him, before the 12 disciples were gathered, before Jesus became a household name, before Jesus' answers silenced his critics, before his teaching was noted as powerful and authoritative, before all these things, John the Baptist stood there and told everyone, there he is. He's the one that we've been waiting for. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sure the last time that I stood up and yelled out to a whole bunch of people that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away sin of the world. John the Baptist did it, and he did it all by himself. John was a bold witness for the Lord. Are we? See, one of the differences is we don't have to do this all by ourselves. We have one another. If you were here last week, you might remember how many of us raised our hands saying we would commit to sharing the gospel with someone. We don't have to do this by ourselves. As I read John's story, I started to realize, though, that John John wasn't a bold witness because he was called to be a prophet. It's easy for us to think things like that, though. But if you think of other examples in Scripture, there were plenty of prophets called by God who had weak moments were there anything but bold, just think of Jonah when he ran. I don't think John was bold because he ate locusts and honey, even though that was a brave diet. I think John was bold because he was humble. I think that's why he was a bold witness. You see, for many of us, the reason that we struggle to point people to Jesus is because we let our pride get in the way. We're too focused on our reputation On what other people might think, on the potential consequences in our lives, so we normally choose to stay silent. An evangelist shared the top six reasons, top six fears that Christians have when it comes to sharing their faith. Here are three of them that I think many of us can probably identify with. One is I'm afraid of what my friends will think, another one is I'm afraid of being rejected. Then a third one is, I'm afraid of losing my friends or relatives. Maybe some of us have felt those fears before, but the problem is those fears spring forth from a place of pride. Because you see, it's pride that cares more about the opinions of people than the approval of God. It's pride that cares more about losing an earthly relationship even though that person might lose their soul. It's pride that says my fear is greater than my God. Pride focuses on self. Humility allows us to focus on Christ. Believers, sometimes sometimes less is more. And when we think less about ourselves, we'll start thinking more about Jesus and those that he came to save. And when that's true, we'll be more concerned with obeying God than we are with pleasing people. We'll be more focused on his glory than on our reputation. We'll be more committed to loving people with the gospel because we won't be focused on the potential consequences in our lives. The truth that I'm hoping we will walk away with from John the Baptist's story this morning is this. When we are less focused on ourselves, we'll be more focused on boldly sharing Jesus with others. When we're less focused on ourselves, we'll be more focused on boldly sharing Jesus with others. I'm not saying that all of us are going to be on street corners calling people to repentance like John the Baptist. But believers, if we want to have a bold witness, we need to have a humble faith. That humility is going to lead to boldness in our lives. So we need to reject pride. We need to embrace humility. We need to boldly point people to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who can take away their sin. Because our world, our relationships, our family, our friends, they need less of us. They need more of Christ. So the question this morning is who will we boldly share him with this week? If you're joining us today and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, please understand what John the Baptist meant when he said that Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. The problem is that you and I have sinned. We've broken God's commands. One of the reasons that's such a problem is that now we stand before God guilty. The only just punishment for our sin is Is an eternity separated from Him in hell. And The bad news gets worse. We can't make up for our sin. Maybe somewhere along the line you decided that you could. You could do enough good works. You could pray hard enough. Go to church enough. Take communion. That you could do something to earn your way to God. But the Bible is clear. None of that's going to cut it. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die on the cross for me and you. To take the punishment and the wrath that we deserve. After he was buried, he powerfully rose from the dead three days later and ascended to heaven where he stands right now waiting to offer you forgiveness and salvation and right standing before God forever. And if you have never made that decision, I want you to know that you can make it right now no matter where you are. If you're finally ready to stop trying on your own and give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you pray with me? If you're here and Jesus Christ isn't your Savior, I hope that you'll make that decision today to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised Him from the dead, that you'd give Him your life, that you'd receive that forgiveness and salvation. You can do it wherever you are. There's no special way that you need to pray it. You just go to the Lord in faith and turn everything over to Him. Father, I pray that if there's anybody joining us today that has never made that decision, that they would do that wherever they are, whether they're watching online, whether they're listening on the radio, whether they're here on campus, that they would give everything over to You. Father, thank You for sending Your Son to this earth. We didn't deserve that. But without Him, we'd continue to be hopeless and helpless, stuck in our sin. Thank You for loving us so much. For those of us who have received Him as our Savior, help us to learn from John the Baptist's story. That we would choose to live lives of humility, not so focused on ourselves, instead focused on You, so that we could be bold about pointing people to Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as we leave this place, You'd give each of us an opportunity to share our faith, to share the good news of the Gospel. Help us to do that with boldness. To not worry about the repercussions, but to trust You. Father, we love You. As always, we thank you for loving us so much more. In Jesus' name, amen.